0: When I say the word sacrifice, what comes to your mind? What do you think about? Do you imagine a ancient tribe dancing around the fire, taking an animal, offering it onto a spit, and doing some type of barbaric service? This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with the Practical Parsha Podcast. I hope you are well. And this week, God willing, we'll be discussing these ideas of what is a sacrifice, which is translated from the Hebrew word of carbon, and maybe it's not translated as it's supposed to be translated. We'll get into that, God willing. But before we begin, if you have any questions or comments, or you'd like to just say hello and introduce yourself, feel free to send me an email at a k at gmail.com, or look in the show notes below. This week, we begin, God willing, the third book of the Torah, the book of Leviticus, Sefer VaYikra, and the book of VaYikra starts with Parshas VaYikra, and the this whole book in general is also referred to as Torahs Kohanim, the the Torah of Kohanim, meaning to say is it's the instructions for the Kohanim for the priests who would do the service in the tabernacle and the Mishkan and the temple, and the, it gives them instructions of how they should bring the karbonos, the sacrifices, and how they should do the service, and the different types of sacrifices, and so on and so forth. And this was a job that just a kohanim could do, and therefore it's referred to as Torah's kohanim. Now, additionally, in the book of Vayikra, there's also different mitzvos, which are, are very self-evident and self-understood, such as, you shall have, you know, honor your father and your mother, do not put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Do not insult the deaf. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Love your fellow as you love yourself. Leave the corners of your field, stalks of grain that have fallen, and sheaves that have been forgotten for the poor. Do not lie or deceive. Do not lend money in usury. These are just some of the examples of the mitzvos, the, the mitzvos that we can understand that are given to us in the book of Ayikra. And just like a, as a little introduction to the Parshios of Vayikra in the coming weeks, God willing, is that there are other mitzvos in this book that maybe are not so easy to understand. And we're going to get into that a little bit later in the podcast. And it has to do primarily with the service in the in the tabernacle, in the Mishkan, how the animal sacrifices would be brought. It would be waved. It would be spritzed the blood. And... Sometimes for us, especially living in the 21st century, it's very hard for for us to relate to the service of the temple, to the service of the Mishkan. It seems foreign to us. It seems maybe even, God forbid, it could seem barbaric. Like, what's going on? And the first thing we have to realize is that the same Hashem, the same God and the same book where it gives us the mitzvot, which are self-evident, such as do not lie, right? honor your father father and your mother, and we understand the reason why God gave us these mitzvos. It's for our benefit. It's for society's betterment. So, so too, Hashem, in the same book, has given us these other mitzvos as well, such as bringing different sacrifices and the service in the temple, which maybe we don't understand, but we have to believe just as much that just as the other mitzvos do not lend in usury, do not hate in your heart, are for our betterment and those are some of the examples and we understand why it helps us improve us as a person and helps make the world a better place. So so too we have to also understand that the other mitzvahs in the book of Leviticus are also for the betterment of man and the betterment of the world at large. So this week we start with Parshas Vayikra and just the first idea which I want to share with you focuses in on the first pasuk, on the first verse in Parshas Vayikra. Now, after you finish this podcast, I'm gonna give you some homework. Open up your Chumash, and you'll see that the first Pasuk, the word Vayikra, which is spelled Vav Yud Kuf Resh Aleph, there's something interesting about it. And if you want, you could pause right now and try to figure it out yourself before I give you the answer. But if you want me to give you the answer, the Aleph at the end of the word Vayikra is diminutive. It's smaller than the rest of the word. And in the Torah as well, the way it's written is that the Aleph is smaller than the rest of the word. We know that everything in the Torah, there's a reason for it. Every letter, every even the, the corner of a letter, Kutzer Shayud, the, even the edge of a Yud, if it was written something differently, there's a reason exactly why it's supposed to be written like that. And certainly the Aleph, small Aleph in Vayikra, there's a lesson to be learned. And the, the Midrash tells us that when, when Moshe Rabbeinu was writing over the Torah from God, he originally wanted that the word, when it says Vayikra El Moshe Vayidabar Hashem Lemor. that that he called to Moshe and Hashem spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses didn't want it to be the wording of Vayikra, which is more of an intimate type of relationship, which shows that Moshe had this special connection with Hashem, this more special relationship with God. He wanted it to write Vayikar, which is also another form of calling, which is the way that God calls Bilam, the evil non-Jewish prophet. And over there, Vayikar connotates a very, you know, not personal type of calling. And Moshe Rabbeinu, in his great humility, didn't want the Torah that Hashem is calling him with the word Vayikra, which shows this specialness. And Hashem said, no, you have to write it with a Aleph because it has to show that special connection that you have and how special you are. And Moshe Rabbeinu begged Hashem that at least it should be written with a small aleph instead of a large aleph. And God acquiesced to Moshe's request and wrote it with a small aleph. Now the commentaries give us many different reasons for the small aleph, the lessons behind it. There's even, you know, there's been books written on the aleph. I believe the Megal had a sefer that was written, a book that was written... Aleph for the Aleph, a thousand reasons for the small Aleph in Vayikra. The book has been lost, but the the commentaries give us different reasonings as to why Vayikra has this small Aleph, and I want to get into maybe two of them today. So the first one that's given, which is very common, is that this idea that the small Aleph represents Moshe Rabbeinu's humility. It shows that even though he, Hashem was giving them his great honor by calling him in this term of Vayikra, they was calling him lovingly, he still didn't want all the accolades. He still said, you know, let me have it with the small aleph. He still had that humility. And, you know, humility is an important trait that a person needs to have. And the problem is many times people have a false understanding of what is true humility. Sometimes people think humility means, you know, thinking you're a nothing. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. The first thing a person has to recognize is that when it being humble doesn't mean putting yourself down. But it's the other way around. When a person is humble, a person knows his strengths. A person knows what they're good at. If you can't name what you're good at, you have a problem. Right? We, we all are very easy to, to list all the different things we have trouble with. But can we list off all the strengths that we have? So being humble is knowing that the strengths that you have, but also having a recognition that it's from God, it's from Hashem who gave you those abilities. And I believe that's also signified in the Aleph because Moshe Rabbeinu acquiesced, he, he, um, he, 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 he wrote the Aleph, he listened to Hashem, and it shows that, He knew the special relationship he had with Hashem. He recognized that. He didn't want to call attention to it, so he made it small, but he knew the strengths and abilities that he had. And that's a lesson for us as well. When it comes to our abilities and it comes to true humbleness, we should not forget that we have that strength. We We should know our abilities, but we should have the recognition that it's a gift from God. Another idea which focuses on the whole word of a yikra As I mentioned before, it's God called out. Rashi explains that when the Torah says, Vayikra El Moshe, Rashi points out to us that the voice of Hashem was a loud voice. It was a thunderous voice. That the voice that emanated from the Oal Moed, from the Tent of Meeting, was extremely loud. But only Moshe Rabbeinu, only Moses heard the voice. That's what it means. Vayikra El Moshe, Hashem Me Ol Moed The Torah says that this voice came out from the Ol Moed, came out from the Tents of meeting, but only Moshe heard it. And uh, Rashi explains that even though the voice was a thunderous voice, only Moshe Rabbeinu, only Moses, was on the level to hear the voice of Hashem. Only he was capable of hearing the message. And the the idea which we can take out from this Rashi, is that sometimes there's always messages that we're getting and there's messages that are going on in the world around us. But the question is, is do we have the spiritual attunement to pick up the messages? There's a story I once saw, and I believe I looked this up afterwards after I heard the story. You could check it up yourself and let me know if you found something different. But there's a story they say about a boy who was really not too good at anything. He wasn't good at sports. He wasn't good at school. And one day he was sitting in the back of his mother's car and he found her pair of glasses and he just put them on. And as soon as he put them on, he yelled, Mom, I could see. This boy went on to become a great athlete, a great student, and eventually president of the United States. Have you ever heard of Ronald Reagan? The idea is, is that he couldn't see anything because he didn't have the proper glasses on to see what he was trying to accomplish. And he was therefore not successful. So when it comes to us, do we have the, cor- the correct spiritual glasses on to, hear, to, to see the messages from Hashem? Or are our ears tuned to pick up the voice of God, right? It doesn't have to be that God is speaking directly to us. But things are always happening in the world around us, and there's different interactions and th- and um, events that happen to us on a personal level, and these things that happen, quote unquote, are messages to us. They're you know they're we're supposed to have our spiritual antennas up to try to pick up the messages, and sometimes you know people get carried away. A lot of times it bothers me because the world at large sometimes you have the feeling that. You know, everything, you know, that has a reason to it. And people fail to realize that there's a bigger picture here and there's a bigger message. I'm not saying that we know the message, but the first thing we need to do is to think. When things happen to us, when things are going on in the world at large, to think for a second, you know, why is this happening? Why is God doing this? I'm not saying you're going to have an answer, but at least we're thinking. Because everything that does happen in this world happens for a reason. And things that happen to us are also, it's for a reason. And we have to try to strain ourselves to pick up the message. What's the message for us? What is it meant for us to improve in? Or to, you know, what else could we learn from this to become better people, to become, to become better Jews? The second area I want to talk about today is this idea of the sacrifices. As I mentioned before, sacrifices. Evokes this, you know, barbaric type of picture in our mind. Maybe even like uh cannibals or something, or give a sacrifice. But the the truth be told, the word carbon is not correctly translated as sacrifice. And before we get into this idea of karbon, we have to recognize that there's different types of mitzvos. There's three different categories of commandments that Hashem has given us. The first one are civil laws, Mishpatim. Right? These are laws, do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery. We understand that a society needs these rules, these laws for them to exist, and they're also God-given. They're mitzvot as well. There's a second category, which are adios, they're testimonies, meaning we do certain mitzvot because we're testifying to a certain event that happened or t- we're testifying to the fact that God is in control of the world. For example... We eat matzah because it's testifying to the fact that God took us out of Egypt. We make kiddush on Shabbos because we're testifying to the fact that God created the world in six and rested on the 7th. We blow a shofar, right? Everything. These are all mitzvos which are adios, they're testimonies to the fact that either God runs the world or God is in charge of the world, and they're supposed to remind us of certain things. Now there's a third area of mitzvos, third category of mitzvos, which are called chukim. They are divine ordinances. These are mitzvot which are given to us, and they're just as important as the other two. But we're not going to understand the reason why we have to do them, because the reasons behind them are beyond our comprehension. The most famous example of a mitzvah, which is a which is a choik, which is a divine ordinance, is the mitzvah of Parah Aduma, which we'll get to, God willing, um, later on in in the year. But the mitzvah Parah Aduma is a mitzvah where. We take the ashes of a red cow, we burn it and we sprinkle it on somebody and that makes somebody pure and the person who sprinkled it becomes impure. We can't can't comprehend why that should happen. And another example of a mitzvah, which is a divine ordinance, are the commandments of the karbonos, the commandments of the sacrifices, is that giving animal sacrifice. Now, you know, we we could think to ourselves that God, why does God need my sacrifice? God needs me to take an animal, slaughter it, you know, pr- place my hands on it, sp- sprinkle it, wave it, burn it, eat it. Does God need this? Does God need our sacrifices? How do we understand this? And the first thing we have to know is that it's a chok. The commandment of the sacrifices are a chok, a divine ordinances, and and it's not something which we're, we're going to be able to fully wrap our mind around. And maybe this is for a different time, but. In the end of the day when it comes to all our mitzvos, our mitzvah observances to begin with can't be based on reasons. We have to all, the the main when it comes to the end of the day, the bottom line is that all our mitzvos we have to do them because Hashem told us to do them. God commanded us to do them. And obviously we look for reasons, it's always appreciated to understand a mitzvah to understand why we do things and reasons behind them and the depthness of it we should. But we have to have this idea in our mind as well because it's important because if we make everything dependent on reasons and logic so if the reason applies we'll do the mitzvah and if god forbid the reason doesn't apply we won't do it right because if we say I, I do this mitzvah it makes me feel good so then if i don't feel good one morning i won't want to do the mitzvah so it's obviously it's important for us to know that doing mitzvos we do them in the end of the day yes it's important to know the reasons and to do them for a testimony and we do them we want to get the depth out of them, but we have to have this concept that it's because God told us. Now, going back to the chok, this third area, this divine ordinance, the karbonos. So, as I mentioned before, we're not able to fully grasp this concept, but at the same time, the some of the commentaries, the Ramban, Nachmanides, does give some reasons, I guess, tries to help us understand the concept of a kar- karbon. And he says that Part of the process, the process itself was supposed to help a person recognize the what happened. And we know some of the sacrifices were given because a person sinned. There's a carbon chatas. A person committed a, an aveira, did a sin, they would have to bring a carbon chatas. And they would take an animal from their possessions, right? Their prized possession was their animals. And they would take it. They would have to put their hands on it. They would have to confess with the Kohen. They would take this animal, which they worked hard for, they, their sweat and blood, and they would slaughter the animal right in front of him. And the Kohen would take the the animal and he'd wave it and he'd spritz it and he'd do this whole process and it would be burned. And the, the process of giving this carbon, giving this sacrifice, was meant, uh, I guess, according to the Ramban, it was to help a person come to a complete state of teshuva it was a come help a person come to a complete state of returning because through this action of you know involving the heart of using you know taking a hands on action to gain atonement is always you know it's easier to tap into the this feeling and you know you can ask any teacher what's easier to give a lesson just lecture or to do something with hands on learning judaism is very big into hands-on learning. Our mitzvahs that we do are hands-on. Everything we, a lot of things we do is hands-on. So when it comes to the tshuva process as well, right, for some of the sacrifices, right, or because a person did a, an ave or did a sin, and sometimes there were communal sacrifices to gain atonement for the community. The This was a very much of a hands-on experience where the person would hopefully, through the process, gain a complete tshuva, gain a complete, return a, a complete repentance. And it's just important to note at the same time that nowadays we don't have the sacrifices. We say that the world it's brought down in Avos. The world stands on three pillars. Torah, Avoda, and Gemilas chasadim. It stands on the merit of Torah study. It stands on the merit of Avoda, which is the service in the Temple, and and Gemilas chasadim, which is kindness. And nowadays, since we don't have the service in the Temple, the prayer services, the Shachris, the morning service, the Mincha service, even the afternoon service, and the Ma'ariv prayer, correspond to the this avoda, the service in the temple, which we don't have nowadays. And finally, just to talk about this idea of carbon, the actual translation. If you look in the Torah, it says, Adam Mikem Karbon Lashem, when a person of you brings an offering to the Almighty. Rebshamshan Rafal Hirsch talks about this idea, the translation of a carbon. And if you look at the Pasuk, it says when a person Yakriv miken carbon Hashem. He brings a carbon to Hashem. And the root of the word carbon comes from the word karav, to become close. That the point of a carbon, the whole idea, obviously we said it is it is a chok, it is a divine ordinance, but the process of bringing a sacrifice, uh, bringing, the process of bringing a carbon was meant to draw a person close to God, to bring someone close. And that's why it's not um, the proper translation if you say a carbon means a sacrifice. Sacrifice means you're giving up of something. But when a person brings a carbon, it's really bringing them closer to something good, the ultimate good. And that's the idea which is being expressed here, Adam ki mikem karbon That when a person of you brings an offering to the Almighty, that when a person would bring a carbon, it would bring them closer to Hashem. And and that act of coming close to God would help a person achieve a higher level. And we know from Tehill and from Psalms, that King David says, As for me, closeness to God is good. That true good. What is true good? You know, when you have an ice cream cone, that's not something which is true good. Sure, you like the ice cream cone, especially if it's, chocolate and it has uh, sprinkles on top, but it's going to give you a ache in a half hour. That's not true good. And if you think about any other type of good, you know, there could be good things out there, but something which is true good through and through is closest to Hashem. There's no there's no side effect to it. And that's um I, the idea which is being expressed by the word carbon, that when we draw close to Hashem, when we bring that carbon and it brings us closer to Hashem, which in turn brings us to a higher level of happiness. And, you know, even though today we don't have karbonos, but we still have to recognize that when we do the will of Hashem, we do what God wants, when we, when we learn Torah, and we do the mitzvos, it brings us closer to that connection with Hashem, and it puts us on this higher sphere, thus in turn making us happier people. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. Hope you enjoyed if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomakoma, K, at gmail.com. Have a great day.